opportunity ever to be in the state of New York or New York City. So uh, we're going to be here about 12 days, and we're hoping to be able to get around and see some of the city and so forth. And if you happen to see two people like the people today, two people standing on the sidewalks, blocking everybody, taking pictures, smiling, it's probably us. So uh, anyway, we have uh, been doing that today a little bit, getting out and so forth, and uh, looking forward to it. I want to uh, just thank the church here and the Montoro family for inviting us to come, and we're looking forward to a great week. This is that we've been gone from our children and our grandchildren. We have three children and nine grandchildren, and I pastored in uh, Arizona for about 39 years, 36 years at a church that I planted there in Phoenix, and we stepped down this last November, actually a year ago, and uh, we are now on the road with our motor home, and we're going about in a different form of ministry, trying to come to small churches and any church that would have us come and be a blessing to them and help them not doors, do whatever we can to be an encouragement to their church. And so we've been busy on this trip. We'll be gone four months. And uh, when we leave New York, we're heading back to get our motor home. We thought about bringing the motor home to New York City, and then, then he said, I don't think so. I don't think you want to drive a motorhome on these narrow streets here. So uh, we didn't even drive. We just flew into LaGuardia, and they picked us up. And uh, we uh, are glad now after seeing the traffic, I wouldn't have the nerves to drive through the streets here. So anyway, we're, uh, we're delighted to be with you. We're looking forward to a good conference. And I want to thank you for being faithful tonight. I know most of you work today. You're tired and need to get up tomorrow and go to work. So we're going to get right into this message as quick as we can tonight. Now, I don't know if this is the kind of a church that says amen, but someone said the, the more that you say amen, the faster I preach. Okay? And so if you don't say amen, I'm thinking, well, maybe they don't get it, so then I've got to repeat it, and it can take longer. So you all with me? Amen? In some churches, okay, we got some over here. Some over here need some amen. We were in a church in Las Vegas, and... We were preaching there one time, and the guy said, our church does not say amen. I go, he said, we say you bet. And I said, that'll work. I said, it doesn't matter whether you say amen or you bet. It still means that you agree. So if you need to say you bet tonight, if you agree with me, then I'll go with that, okay? All right, if you have your Bible, I hope all of you have brought a Bible, and I want you to take them tonight, and I want you to quickly turn to two passages of Scripture. I'm going to move as quickly as I can through the introduction of this message to get right into the points tonight. <clears throat> I believe that everything rises and falls on an attitude. Do you understand what I'm saying? An attitude. When our kids go to camp, we tell our kids, if you want to have a good time at camp, have a good attitude. If you have a bad attitude, you're not going to have a good time. Even if you don't agree with things, have a good attitude. And they do that at college. They do that everything. So every day in life, we try to have a good attitude. And attitude sets the pace for a lot of things. We're going to look at three attitudes tonight, and I call them the three attitudes of missions, or maybe what we could call this message is missions in 3D, all right? That's, that may be a better title, missions in 3D. If you'd stand together with me, we're going to read from Acts chapter number 16, Acts chapter number 16. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here, and then I'd like for you to find, if you would with me tonight, the book of Romans chapter number 15. And I decided to preach this, uh, to begin the service to, or the missions conference because I believe this message 
uh, is important for us to grasp the right attitude that we need to have towards missions. If you get this message and you incorporate and instill these three attitudes that the Bible speaks about, then the missions conference will be a success. All right? So, in Acts chapter number 16, uh, the Bible says in verse number, uh, well, let's pick it up here in verse number 7. After they were come to Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mycenae, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he, Paul, had seen the vision, immediately, he said, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So you understand that uh, in Acts chapter number 13, it was there that Barnabas and Paul were separated from that church and sent out. And uh, they went on their very first missionary journey and they planted churches just like the Schwetzlers are going to be doing in, uh, in, in Mongolia. And then they returned back to Antioch in Acts chapter 15 to report to their sending church about uh, the churches that had, had been started and the souls that had been saved. If you look across the page there in Acts 15 and verse number 36, Paul says, And some days after, or some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let's go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark, and Paul thought not good to take him with him, who departed, uh, went not with him to the work. And so he goes on here that they've decided now to return back to Asia Minor, where he had gone on his first missionary journey, and to seek out uh, planting some new churches and to confirm the souls had been saved there. And then we came and read the passage there uh, just a few moments ago where his endeavor was to go into there, but the Spirit of God suffered him or did not allow Paul and Barnabas to go into that area, or Silas at this time. And so he, he got a vision of a Macedonian call. A man, or the Macedonians, called out through uh, to God and prayed, God, how about sending uh, somebody over to help us with the gospel? Obviously, the Macedonian area had heard about people's lives being changed, the gospel being received. And so rather than for Paul to go into Asia Minor, the Bible says the Spirit suffered him not. And immediately when he saw the vision, uh, he endeavored to go right into Macedonia. Well, we know what ta- transpired there. We know that there were churches planted, like the church at uh, in Corinth, the church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi, the, the church at Berea. Uh, Thessalonica, many churches were planted there. And, uh, and so now we come over to the book of Romans. And I want you to look at Romans with me. Go over to the next book for just a moment in Romans chapter 15. And so now it's eight years later. I'm trying to get through this introduction real quickly here to get you a mindset of the passage. In Romans chapter number 15, the Bible speaks here that this is eight years after Paul uh, had, had planted the churches in Macedonia. And so now the Macedonians had heard about the, the uh, famine and the problems that had occurred down in Jerusalem where there was a dearth and there were poor saints down there. So now we're going to pick up the passage here 
uh, in verse number 23, but now having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I'll come to you for I trust to see you in my journey and to pro- uh, and be brought on my way thitherward by you. If first I be somewhat filled with your company. Now watch this. But now, Paul said, I have to go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. Look at verse 26. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It's pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I perform this and have sealed to them this fruit, I'll come by you into Spain. So now, Apostle Paul is saying, I need to make a trip down to Jerusalem. The Macedonians that had received the gospel have heard about the poor saints down there. And because they become the recipients of spiritual things, they now want to make a certain contribution to help them. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll get right into the message tonight. Father, we thank you again for the good music. We thank you for the Smutzler family. We pray that you'll continue to open doors for them. And Lord, that you'll use this message tonight uh, to set an attitude in our own hearts that was obviously uh, incorporated in the hearts of the Macedonians. The Gentiles there in Macedonia had taken on the attitudes that they felt the need to help these others that were in need of the gospel as well as in need of, of uh, special needs. And so I thank you for the contribution that they made. And we ask you to bless the message tonight in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate you standing. <clears throat> I got to thinking about this when we think about missions in a church. And by the way, we have a missions conference every single year in our church in Phoenix for the past 36 years. And uh, we have a whole week-long meeting just like you do. It's coming up in January. And we bring in missionary families just like you do. And we put up our flags and we try to encourage our people. And we try to get new members and new attendees to get on board with the missions program of a church. And then we try to get the families that are already giving to missions, we try to get them to maybe increase uh, a little bit above what they've already been giving so that we can add some new missionaries. And over those 36 years, God has blessed our church. We now have a missions budget of about 300,000 a year to missions. And we we support about 125 missionaries. We try to take on about six new missionaries, maybe seven missionaries every single year. And God's blessed the, the missions conferences. We do that primarily through our church. And now we're here in this missions conference trying to get the increase to go up and trying to see the need of being able to take on some new missionaries. What a blessing, uh, Brother Montero, to see that your church has taken on five new missionaries and adding the one tonight that's here. And uh, that's a, I, I love to be in missions conferences and see people that are willing to add missionaries to take the Gospels to the regions beyond. But here in our passage, and I'm looking at Romans tonight, so I want you to stay in the book of Romans with me for a few moments. But I got to thinking about what would be our motivation as believers for us to make a certain contribution to the missions program of the church. And I suppose if we went around this auditorium tonight, uh, many of you could probably share things about what this church has meant to you and, and, uh, and how significant it's played a major role in helping to 
uh, shape your life spiritually and how to, it's done brought through the teaching and the preaching from this pulpit has helped you to have a clearer understanding of Bible doctrine and truth so that it be able to, you'd be able to live within the will of God for your life. How many would say, this church has been a blessing to my family, to me as an individual? It's helped my family. It's helped our marriage. Some of your children may have gotten saved. Maybe you got saved as a result of this church here. So you need to be thankful for your own church, just that you have a gospel-preaching church right here in New York City within this area to outreach this community. And so many of you could say many things. You could stand and talk about the things this church has meant to you, and maybe your pastor has meant to you. But I'm interested in telling you tonight maybe what's motivated me over the years. I got saved uh, 48 years ago while I was in the military in the Philippine Islands when I was serving in the military during the Vietnam War and uh, was there in Vietnam and Cambodia. And uh, I got saved and I got involved right after I got saved, got baptized after I got saved, got involved in a good mission church over there in the Philippines. I got actively involved in giving to missions. And it was primarily through reading and studying through the book of Romans and the book of Acts that motivated me to see my responsibility in doing it. And so I I want to express these three words tonight, and I just want you to write them down. They're right in the text. And we all understand, do we not, that the Bible was completely inspired by God? It was God-breathed? So when we say that Paul is saying to us, where did Paul get the words? Paul got the words from the Holy Spirit. So really, the attitudes that we're going to look at really came from God. Basically, what God is saying is, Paul, I want you to write about the attitudes that these Gentiles took on so that they would make a certain contribution uh, towards the missions program of the church. And, of course, the offering that Paul is going to take down to Jerusalem that's going to come from the Macedonian churches is really a missions-type offering. And we read about it, that missions offering a little further when you get to 1 Corinthians 16, that they were to lay by store upon the first day of the week. That's not tithing, uh, even though tithing scriptural, but it was, it was a part of this collection, this offering. And then when you get to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it specifies what the Macedonians, how they gave liberally uh, and abraded not. And the Bible says that they gave beyond their power uh, because of the grace of God that was bestowed upon them in Macedonia. So all of these, all these chapters tie together. In Acts that we read, the churches were just getting started there. Gentiles were getting saved. A little eight years later, they find out there's a need to help others. And so now Paul writes here in Romans by the Holy Spirit, and he's saying, here's the attitude of the Macedonian churches. And I want you to write them down. Notice first in verse number 27, Paul said, for if the Gentiles... And by the way, if you're not Jewish tonight, you're what? You're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. So he didn't say the Macedonian churches. He said, Paul said, for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. Isn't that what the Bible says? So Paul says here, if the Gentiles that were in Macedonia... And cried out and say, come over and help us with the gospel. And Paul went there and gave them the gospel and they got saved. Did they not become a partaker of spiritual things? They became a partaker of the spiritual things that the gospel provides for us when we receive it. If you're saved here tonight and you're born again, 
you have become the recipient of spiritual things. And as a Gentile, you have a duty then, if you are the recipient of those spiritual things, then you ought to have the attitude, I have a duty to make a certain contribution so that others can receive these spiritual things. Now, I don't know what motivates you as a Christian and uh, so forth, but <clears throat> I feel that, uh, that duty is a, is a great motivation. And, and I realize the word duty sometimes carries with it sometimes a negative connotation. It gives sometimes a sense that we don't have a choice. It's a duty, uh, you know, uh, or it's an obligation. But the word duty here is an interesting word because there in verse number 27, it's their duty. Now, listen to me. If the Gentiles had become partakers of the spiritual things, it is there, the Gentiles' duty, it's the Gentiles' duty to minister back in carnal things. So he's actually saying that one of the attitudes that we need to take on is the attitude that you and I that have been saved have a duty to give back to others. Would you not agree? To be able to give back, it's my duty to do that. And the word duty here that Paul uses means an act of reverence and respect. It comes from the word obligation. And it's used in the same sense as being obedient to a prince or a magistrate. And the laws uh, is the duty of every citizen. Uh, It's used in the sense that obedience and respect and kindness should be shown to parents. That's the duty of all children. Children have a duty to show their parents obedience and respect. Just like a citizen has a duty to obey the laws of the land. And so, it's the idea here, it's in the same sense that uh, obedience and prayer to God are indispensable duties of every believer. So, we have certain duties that we have a responsibility to God for. Well, Paul said, I think it needs to be instilled in every Christian here, the idea that we have a duty to make a certain contribution to those who have helped us become the recipients of spiritual things. Now, the question is, if if it's not our duty, think about this, if it's not our duty, you and I that are sitting in this church, if it's not our duty to make a certain contribution to help others spiritually, then whose duty is it? Is it the duty of the, the citizens of New York? Well, no, because most of them probably don't know the Lord. It's not the duty of them. Paul says it's the duty of those who have become partakers of spiritual things. So if you're seated here tonight and you're a partaker of a spiritual thing, uh, then your duty is to give back in order to help others. Now, the question is, what did that becoming a partaker of? When we become a partaker of spiritual things... What kind of spiritual things do we become a partaker of when, do, when we get saved? Well, I just wrote down a few here, but they became partakers of the gospel uh, it, by, through faith and received by grace. And so by receiving the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and placing your faith in Christ, you become a recipient of God being able to save your soul from your sin. And so you're a partaker of salvation. And then you're a partaker of the divine nature. For example, if you were to look over here to the book of Ephesians, uh, the Bible says, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So the Holy Spirit is the divine nature of God that indwells us. 
And notice if you would, uh, I'm going to read one passage out of Second Peter, but he says here in verse number 3, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding and great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. So the Bible lets us know that when you receive the gospel, God's able to save your soul. And through that saving of your soul, you become a partaker of the Holy Spirit and the divine nature of Christ. If you're here tonight, you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you, which is the earnest of your salvation. We become, the Bible says, a partaker of His forgiveness and pardon of sin so that we never have to worry about answering for our sin because it was all answered for on the cross of Calvary. We become partakers of eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Aren't you glad that you can never lose salvation? That once you're saved, you're always saved. You know why? Because you can't get yourself saved. God has to give you salvation as a gift. And secondly, you can't keep yourself saved because you're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So even uh, we sometimes get the idea that when we get saved, we sometimes get the idea that we're holding on to God, hoping that I can stay saved. The truth of the matter is, is that God's holding on to us. And nothing can pluck us out of His hand. I and my Father are one. And the Bible says nothing will separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So when you got saved, you become an incredible beneficiary of so many spiritual things that the lost man doesn't have. You have the salvation of your soul. You have his divine nature. You have forgiveness of sin. You have eternal life. You have the constant abiding presence of Jesus Christ who said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You have a partaker of all his promises and all his power. After that, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. You shall receive power. Uh, unto me to become witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So we have his peace, we have his power, we have his promises. I mean, honestly, folks, as we're sitting here tonight, you and I that have been saved are very blessed to be able to have our salvation. You become a partaker of, uh, of being able to go to heaven, where the average person, not only in Mongolia, but primarily around our world, a small percentage of people in the world are not going to be able to go to heaven because the world is pretty much unevangelized as a whole when you think about religions that come in and promote a false gospel and people have embraced and put their faith either in a church or they put it in some kind of a Buddha or a Confucianism or, a, or a, a, an Allah or a different type of a man-made God or an idol or whatever. They're, they're, they're putting all their soul and all their hope into something that can't save them. So that when they die, they die without Jesus Christ, never being able to be a partaker of any of the spiritual things that God intended for all men to be saved. You see, I'm not a Calvinist. I believe that God died for the souls of all men. I believe when he spread his arms on the cross of Calvary, he was saying to the world that anybody can come unto me. Man, woman, or child, if you'll just place your faith in me. It was God that loved the whole world. He died as a ransom for all men. He's not willing that any should perish, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So 
we, we know we can sit here tonight as maybe members of Open Door Bible Baptist Church, or we could sit here tonight and say, I'm not a member here, but I attend here regularly and I am saved. If you're a Gentile, the Bible says, if you're a, if you're a Gentile that has become a partaker of the spiritual things of God, now watch this, then it's your duty. It's only out of reverence and respect to be able to share back the carnal things with those who have need. So I think if we would take on the attitude, I have a duty to give to missions. A duty to give to missions. You know, I started tithing 48 years ago to my local church. The tithe doesn't really go, frankly, to missions. It, it helps to build the local home base. When people tithe, they give to the church. And then after tithing, they give to offerings. And offerings go outside the church to help send couples like this that God is still rising up and sending off to these foreign lands so that you and I can still have a part. Because when you give to missions, you're actually having a part in this couple right here being able to take the gospel for you to an area that you won't be called to go to primarily. Your area is right here in New York City, right in the community that you live in. I don't know if you understand this, but you're a missionary right here. I'm a missionary in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, God's called me to go out there and, and plant churches there, and we planted two churches there. And uh, reaching that community, that was my Jerusalem. But that doesn't, that doesn't negate my responsibility to go into the rest of the world and preach the gospel, both at the same time I'm reaching my Jerusalem. So I've got to have a part in being able to be over in Mongolia and other parts of the world, and I can do that through mission giving. And so as I reach my own community and I give to missions, I'm fulfilling the commandment of Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 of being able to take the gospel into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, sometimes what happens is we get saved, we have our own little church, we enjoy coming to church and worshiping our God, singing songs and doing what we do. We sometimes forget there's a world out here beyond our walls that don't know Christ, and they've never heard the gospel. And so whose duty is it to take the gospel to them? By giving uh, through missions. It's everyone who's become a spiritual partaker of spiritual things, the Gentiles. So all I want you to do tonight is I want you to put down my first attitude that I need to incorporate is that I need to have the attitude that I personally, that is saved, have a duty to make a certain contribution. I like the term certain contribution. To me, it's almost like, what am I going to give? What contribution am I going to give to get the gospel somewhere else. I want to fulfill my duty. You know, when I got drafted in 1969 at the age of 19, during the middle of the, of the, of the Vietnam conflict, I drafted into the Army, took my Army physical, passed it, didn't want to be an a infantry soldier in the rice paddies of Vietnam. My brother was a United States Air Force so he said, Terry, if they have open slots, you can enlist, but you've got to stay four years instead of two. So I went down and I enlisted in the United States Air Force. Ended up going to Vietnam anyway. Ended up going to Thailand, Cambodia, Philippines. And I'm glad I was able to do all of that because I got saved as a result of going into the military. I'm glad that I went over there. But let me tell you something. You know how I got saved? Because a church just like this one was supporting a missionary who sent him to the Philippines to reach Filipinos and never realized that by going and sending that missionary there, that a farmer boy 
from Michigan at 19 would get saved in the Philippine Islands. And so I'm thankful for churches like this that sends forth missionaries, or I wouldn't have gotten saved. And so I'm thankful that I can have a part. And I told the Lord after I got saved, if Lord, if you're ever able to use me as a pastor, if you're ever able to use me in that way, I mean, if you, maybe you don't have that for me, but, if, but I want to make a contribution back. I feel I have a duty now. And I said, Lord, if I do, I want to be a strong missions church because I wouldn't be saved if it wasn't for missions. And I'm thankful for it. And so we made our church, the emphasis was getting the gospel to the rest of the world. And that's where it is today as well. Secondly, and I'm not going to take as long on this point because I think you know what it is, but notice in verse number 27, another D. I said this is missions in 3D. It's pleased them verily and their what? Are you reading it? It hath pleased them verily and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. Here's the second attitude that you need to incorporate. Not only do I have a duty to missions... But I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor to the barbarians. I'm a debtor to the lost. I'm a debtor. I have a debt to take. Do you feel a sense of debt to give back? I don't know what it is. I, I spent 30, almost 39 years pastoring. And when I was pastoring, I was the minister of helping others and giving out. I was just in a conference the other day, brother. And... Uh, it was, uh, in fact, it was last Wednesday night in a state fellowship meeting in Oklahoma City. And uh, there was a young church planner there. And these pastors, Brother Gaddis and, and Brother Wayne Hardy and all, many, many others, they were there saying, we'll, we'll take him on for $100. We'll take him on for $100. We'll take him on for $250. i will give him $1,000. And I'm sitting there. I'm no longer pastoring. And I used to be the one to stand there and go, and we'll take him on for 500 or we'll give him $200 a month support for the next two years or whatever. I used to be able to do that. You know how hard it was for me to sit there, not having a salary, not being a pastor? Brother Montero, the thing that I miss the most, being a pastor, is being able to give and minister to others so that they can plan a church or send a missionary. Now I have to sit there and, and say, man, maybe, maybe I lean over to my wife. Honey, can we give $200? Do we have $200 to give? Because we're on more of a fixed income now. You know you know what I'm talking about? And don't have the resources I had as a pastor to be able to take from our missions budget and be able to give to missions. I miss being able to do that. It's hard to not be able to be the one who's giving out. And now I'm, I, it's hard for me to be the receiver. I go to churches and they'll say, Pastor Randolph, let me help you with that. Uh, you know, you don't have to help us with that. We'll take care. It's hard for me to receive because I've been giving and giving and giving through our church. It's just hard to be the receiver. I, it's so much more joyous to be the giver. I mean, it's just it was just a ball for 39 years to stand there and say, hey, we'll give a thousand. We'll do this. We'll do that. Hey, I get to increase my missions giving. Hey, hey, hey. It was it was just to be able to see missionaries come back and give reports. It was such a joy. And I miss a lot of that. That's why I enjoy being in missions conference. I feel like I still have a debt. Paul said these words. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, you don't have to go back very far, but in Romans chapter 1, right after Paul got saved, he said, I'm a debtor, in verse 14, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so as much as in me I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul said, I'm a debtor. Listen, my pastor, Brother J.C. Joyner, in Tucson, Arizona, taught all of his preacher boys and so forth 
you always be one who feels you owe a debt. Someone says, well, I'm sitting here tonight. I don't owe a debt to anybody. I do. I owe a debt to get the gospel to some other lost person. You know, after seeing these slides and the faces of these lot of these Mongolians, I feel like I have a debt to see that they get to hear the gospel one time. To be able to hear just the gospel one time. At least, at least be able to hear it at least once so that they got an opportunity maybe to say yes or no to the gospel. But to die without ever hearing about Jesus Christ? Don't you feel we all have a debt to try to at least send that couple to take the gospel there? And maybe your next door neighbor or someone down the street from you who walks by every day. I was out this morning and throughout the day carrying the tracks of this church and, and, uh, they just knew I wasn't from New York because I was whistling and I was smiling and standing in their way and I wasn't on a mission. I find that a lot of times people that walk the streets here, they're on a mission. You know, they're walking, they're focused, and I'm out going, and I'm laughing. And so they just know that this guy's not from New York City. So I'm going into places and I'm saying, hey, I'd like to give you a track. I met a lady up here at one of the drugstores. After we paid for a little thing that we bought, and I said, I don't know if you heard this church, but it's right around the corner. I'd like to give you this track. And she said, well, thank you very much. Where's this church located? And I said, well, it's right around the corner here. It is. And I said, yeah. So if you get a chance to come, you know, what you're doing is you're, you're giving people an opportunity to hear the gospel just through by giving out a little track. You're doing your part in your own neighborhood. And I found out pretty much New York people love to receive these. They'll, they'll say, thank you, you know. I don't know if she looked inside to see if there was a $10 bill in it or what she was trying to do, but she took the track. She thanked me for it. And so I was standing on the sidewalk this morning out front here. As people are going by and say, I'd like to give you one of these. Thank you very much. Anywhere we went, I was trying to give them out. And I'm going to be doing that for the next 12 days while I'm here. I'm going to try to get some more folks to come to this church and hear the gospel. You know why? Because I feel like I owe a debt to them. I have a debtor attitude. I have a duty attitude. And quickly, look at this last one. The Apostle Paul said this, he said in verse 24, Whithersoever I take my journey into Spain, I'll come unto you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way thither with by you. He, he said there in verse number 23, But now having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you. Do you know if you looked up the word pleased, this passage of Scripture, the word pleased means with great desire. It, it, it pleased them with a sense of great desire, not only for Paul to see them, but for the Macedonians to give this offering. It pleased them. Kind of like when the offering plates are passed in a church, you have a great desire to give. The Macedonians got a hold of Paul and said, Hey, we're all the recipients up here in Macedonia. We all got saved. Our lives have been changed. Our families have become the beneficiary of so many of these spiritual things. And now we feel like we have a duty and a debt to help these others. We desire to see them helped. And so the attitudes that you need to incorporate tonight and take on is a duty attitude, a debtor attitude, and a desire to see Churches planted, souls saved. You see, I have, we give to Heartland Baptist Bible College because I have a desire to see more young people trained for the gospel ministry. Uh, we, 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 we give to brand new church planters because I have a desire to see new churches planted. We give to couples like the Smutlers so that they can go to, uh, uh, to the regions beyond because I have a desire to take the gospel into countries that have never heard 
one time the gospel of Christ. I have a desire to see that happen. I have a desire to see people saved. So by attitude of having a duty and a debtor and a desire attitude is it motivates me that when the time comes, can you do any more to help missions? Well, if I take that attitude, it's easy for me to say, we're going to give extra this year. I don't know exactly how we're going to do it. I want to close with this thought. I said we've been giving for 48 years to missions and tithing and so forth in our own church. When I stepped down from Heartland Baptist Bible, or from, uh, from uh, Cornerstone Baptist Church, I, I mentioned to you that, you know, I had to give up my salary, and that was fine. You, they certainly weren't going to give me a full salary not to be the pastor. When I did, I got to thinking, are we going to be able to still give what we give to missions now that I don't have a salary? We're going to step out by faith. And the Lord was saying to me in my heart, you never gave to missions through your salary. And I got thinking, that's true. My salary didn't determine my giving. I, every year that I increased my giving, I did it by faith. I never did it by figuring. I didn't sit down and say, can we figure out whether we could give more? That would be the wrong way to do it. Every year in 48 years that we increased, and we increased every year for 48 years, took my missions giving way, way beyond my tithe. And I got to thinking, if God can give me that every single year for 48 years, He's still on the throne. He can still supply. So we never stopped our mission giving. We're giving the same this year that we committed. Because we were on our missions conference last year, my wife and I increased an ample amount from what we gave the year before. Without the salary, and I'm here to tell you it's been a whole year, and the Lord has supplied abundantly, <laughs> amazing to me, this year as well. So when we get home in a month or so, we're going to have our missions conference, and I'm going to fill it out, and I'm not going to drop my missions. I'm going to increase it again. Because I've come to discover in 48 years, you cannot outgive God. If you can maintain an attitude of duty and debt, and desire to help others with the gospel, the Lord will use you as a channel to be able to accomplish that. You just need to have the faith to believe that in God. And I'm here to tell you as an example, He'll make it possible for you to give it if you'll give it by faith. So I never gave it out of my salary. What we did is we just trusted the Lord by faith, and every week we were able to give towards missions. I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight, if you would. And I want to ask you to just pray about this. This is all I'm asking you to do tonight, <clears throat> is to pray about saying, God, would you, would you help me to incorporate and instill this attitudes in my life, to be able to see missions in 3D, that I have a duty, I have a debt, I have a desire to be able to give to world missions. If you'd ask the Lord to help you to take on that attitude, it's going to be so simple for the rest of the week. And when the time comes that you get to give to missions, you'll be able to give even more than you gave last year. How many of you, just look up here for a moment, how many of you'd like to be able to see uh, more people come to this church, fill these pews, and get saved? How many would like to see that happen? You know how that happens? It happens by taking the gospel to your community. And God, if you'll do our part, he'll do his part. 
How many would like to see more missionaries added, more countries could be seen? Probably everybody in here would say, I have a desire to do that. All right, then the way to do that is to help keep giving to missions. If you'll do that, if we'll do our part, God will always do his part. Father, I thank you tonight for uh, these very faithful people that have come out tonight to sing and minister to us. And uh, Lord, uh, many of them are tired. They work hard. I'm sure many are in bed by 9 or 9.30 and got to get up tomorrow. And I'm thankful for their attention. And I pray that they'll think about the Macedonian churches that had become the spiritual recipients of spiritual things. And how after they saw the change that came about in their life and they were saved, then when they heard about the need, they wanted to make a certain contribution. And they did it through the motivation of feeling a duty and a debt and a desire to help these people. And Lord, I think you're, you inspired that through Paul so that throughout all generations that this kind text of Scripture could be preached to every church and it would help us to understand our need for missions tonight. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.